Just thought I'd do a little pre-show. No reason. I'm just sitting at the computer anyway, so I might as well <laughs> talk to you. The problem is I don't want to start the official show until it's 6 o'clock, when I let everyone know. And that's like 15 minutes away. <clears throat> I watched uh, the Justice League, which I'm going to do a Satanist on Cinema tomorrow with um, Satanist Cameron John. Uh, it's going to be awesome. But I was watching it, and for those of you who know, you know that I'm, I've always loved uh, Superman as a character, and I did an entire essay based on Superman. Um, I highly recommend you go check it out if you haven't read it or watched me perform the reading of it. It's, it's actually a really good essay I'm proud of. But I felt even more connected um, watch to him watching this version after he's resurrected and he doesn't exactly know who he is and he doesn't exactly know where he fits in to what is going on around him. And it immediately made me think of how I felt my entire life growing up. I genuinely was ostracized by everyone else I knew. I was completely different than everyone else. Um, I didn't feel connected to other people at all. Uh, I felt very awkward. And I, I'm, I think to a large degree, everyone feels this way. Um, and then I identified as a Satanist. And that sense of rejection exponentially grew. And it, it got to a point where it was hard for me um, to carry any semblance of a relationship with anyone except for my girlfriend and now wife because everyone else objectly rejected me. My friends, they rejected me. Like my lifelong friends, um, which was very weird. My family, the people who raised me, rejected me. And I saw that parallel in Superman being resurrected. And it really hit home to me. Like I, I it was completely different, a different way of identifying with a character that I've already identified with in different ways, um, which was really interesting, I thought. You know, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, if you've seen it, let me know what you thought of it. Uh, and again, we're going to do a whole show uh, based on that specifically tomorrow. So, how's it going, John? Thanks for joining the Ninth Circle. Good to see you down here. <laughs> Welcome downstairs. Zachary, always great to see you. Gary, what's up, man? Uh, William, how you doing? I saw your Skype message. Thank you for the uh, happy spring or equinox. I appreciate that. Uh, Jason, how you doing, man? Um, Austin, what up? Again, we're, we're still early here. We're, I'm not going to actually start the official show for another few minutes. Just wanted to get on here and chat a little bit. Here's something. There are... Uh, I don't know how to say this. I lived most of my life not caring about fashion at all. How I looked, how I presented myself. Um, the older I got, the more concerned I became. And certainly as I identified as a Satanist and I started thinking about personal aesthetics, my sense of needing, needing to feel good in the clothing that I wear, needing to feel good about myself, um, became a priority and how I dressed and how it related directly to how I felt about myself and then how I in turn projected that sense of awareness and confidence to everyone else 
became a bit of a priority and truly a, a key to my identify uh, my identity as an individual, right? Going out and, and getting, I just went out and just went shopping and I don't go shopping very often. Um, the idea of shopping actually kind of bothers me. It, it feeds into the sense of consumer society that I, I really actually don't enjoy, even though I participated in it wholeheartedly. You know, every two or three years I get a new phone. I don't need to, but the technology has gotten better. And so I sort of convinced myself to, to upgrade to the newest version. Um, clothes are, are very much, you know, there's that saying, clothes make the men. And it's very true. And it's not just men, of course, it's lesser magic. But going out and picking up some new clothes and a couple new ties and a new vest, man, that felt good. <laughs> After a year of sitting in the house, not doing anything, to just prepare to get out, you know, to, to get what I need to feel fresh so that when I do get out, I look goddamn good. That felt really, really good. Do you guys get that same sense? Like, do you, do you consciously think about what you wear and how it communicates without you saying a word to other people that are looking at you? Do you think about how what you wear influences your emotions, your presentation to the world, how you, how you carry yourself? Do you arch your back and Straighten out your shoulders just a little bit more when you feel good in the clothing you're wearing. I, <laughs> I'm not going to cover this in the show, but I went to a gun show. I'm going to cover that, but I went to a gun show in this observation I'm not going to cover. Um, this observation uh, of others at the gun show and what they were wearing and what it communicated uh, without them obviously never considering it at all. Just the face mask itself, the style of face mask that people wore communicates massively to everyone else around you. Do you not give a fuck uh, about your own health? Do you not give a fuck about other people's health? Are you trying to signal with the mask? Are you wearing messages or iconography or imagery? Like there's a lot to go into just a, wearing a stupid fucking mask to protect yourself, right? And then the regular clothes that they wear, you know, their shoes. Shoes are a huge indication about how an individual feels about themselves and how they want to present themselves to another. A grown man wearing shitty fucking sneakers. You're saying a lot. Which is a little. <laughs> You're presenting a very underwhelming version of yourself to the rest of the world wearing filthy fucking sneakers out in public you're not exercising or anything you're just like oh this is what i wear this is what i look like and then you get the crazy guys who've never learned how to dress which this has always bothered me it doesn't take a genius to understand how to properly dress yourself a lot of people rely on their wives or their spouses or their parents in some cases to dress themselves and when left to their own devices they're sort of hands in the air they don't know what to do you got a bermuda short with like a button-up hawaiian tee tucked in they don't know what they're doing look online 
search men's fashion, just in imagery, and you will get a clue about how respectable men are supposed to dress in this society. You don't have to dress like popular people do, but I'm just saying you get a sense and you can do that throughout all of the ages, throughout all of history. So you can find what you connect with and then just sort of update it to, to really present yourself. But no one can pretend that their sense of style and personal aesthetics is jeans and a t-shirt. I'm sorry. That's just, that's laziness. You might as well be wearing like sweatpants and a wife beater. That's not personal aesthetics. That's just you being too lazy to try to find some sense of personal aesthetics. There's no archetype for trash man. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is pre-show. <laughs> Pre-gaming. And, and uh, pre-gaming. Um, oh, good for you, William. That's nice. Last phone you had when I was 10 years ago. You know what? I, I take so many photos and I shoot so much video with my phone that I can't in good conscience downgrade to a flip phone, flip phone but I fantasize on a daily basis about downgrading to a flip phone. Like I really, really do. I should just pick up a really nice camera and just cut the cord. But then what am I actually gaining except for another piece of ex really expensive equipment that I have to, you know, up uh, upkeep and maintain and then upgrade as, as technology progresses. That's it's, it's, a, this is a very tough piece of equipment for me to put down. I literally use it every single day and not as a phone. Like I use the creative aspects of it every single day, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, Satanism works with nature. Everything in nature sends signals to attract or deter. Yeah. Get a real camera, man. Yeah. I don't know. They're much more expensive than a phone. And I can do between um, uh, Adobe Creative Suite and my phone everything that I need to do that I could also do with a traditional camera. And I, I took some courses in college and stuff with traditional cameras and stuff. And, you know, some of my favorite photos that I ever took of my son and my wife, I took with a traditional camera. But ease and, and accessibility, you know, that, that's really what it comes down to with me. You never connected with superheroes much. Usually, it's the villains. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I think the the latest films released, and again, I'm not I'm not big into comics, so I don't really know the depth of comic knowledge. But I just know the biggest superhero films released, they do an okay job. Like the um, the last ones with the Marvel universe. What is it called? Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Damn it. With Thanos. Anyway, the last one's with him. It really created and, and gave him a really good in-depth story, which I appreciate. Um, and this, Zack Snyder's version of Justice League gave Steppenwolf a really great story, like character development, which is really important to anyone who appreciates any semblance of storytelling. Uh, but traditionally superhero films the the bad guy is a joke he's a one-off he's just someone to get beaten up you know he's the meathead of the the film 
And so I don't really usually connect with the bad guys because they're not really developed traditionally as much as the good guys are in good storytelling. Now, you want to go into like anti-heroes and stuff like that, like Sopranos, Tony, I totally love to death. He's the bad guy, but he's also the good guy. <laughs> you know, I love me an anti-hero. Um, all right, so you love your nostalgic t-shirt collection and have no intention of stopping wearing them. Yeah, and here's the other thing. I'm not trying to shit on anyone's fashion choices. <laughs> I'm just, I'm riffing on my own thoughts and feelings. So if, if you disagree with me, by all means, <laughs> disagree and do not feel like you have to listen to anything I ever say. That, that is your right and your choice. I just have a different semblance of uh, feelings towards types of clothing. That's all it comes down to. I'm not trying to shit on your game. Um... Endgame. Thank you, Wes. That's exactly what it was. All right. We're here for the show. Let's do the show. If I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is March 21st, and i got a great show for you this week. And my audio's even on. <laughs> that still bugs me that I forgot that. Okay. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to do a little bit of meeting your match. Again, inspired by Justice League when I was watching it the other day. I, you know, whenever I, I get little thought inspirations, I type, again, my phone. I type them out in notes on my phone, and then I develop them into a conversation piece for this uh infernal informant we're going to do a little bit of uh atlanta spa attacks shine a light on anti-asian hate crimes around the world and this is inspired by an interaction i had brief interaction at a gun show so i'll talk about that here in just a second a little bit of fun armageddon huge asteroid flying closer to earth than the moon and you can watch it and i'm going to tell you how Actually, I'm not going to tell you how to watch it because I don't think it even says it in the article. They just use that as the headline to pull you in, which kind of pisses me off. All right. Creature feature. I swear I've talked about this before, but I searched my website where I keep all of my notes for every show I've ever done for a decade. And I couldn't find any mention of it. So I'm going to talk about American Gods. The novel by Neil Gaiman was great. But seeing it in live action and seeing it expanded in live action is very, very interesting as well. So we'll talk about that at the tail end of the show. couple things I want to hit on before we dive into the show. I was going to do a cold open, but I forgot because I did the pregame show. Dang it. I'll have to hold on to that one. Um, spring Equinox just hit. So for those of you who pay attention to season changes, it's just another way to connect with the planet that you inhabit. Uh, and this, here's, here's, the, here's the deal with spring, uh, with equinoxes and um, uh, solstices. There's no downside to observing or celebrating them, right? There's only upsides. With every other holiday, there's a downside because there's the reality of the holiday versus the uh, uh, commercialization of that holiday or the religious twisting of the holiday. Um, 
But with the solstices and the equinoxes, it's literally you just connecting with the planet in the solar system. That's it. That's that's the only thing there is. There's our tilt, our spin, and our twist around the sun. That that it's just acknowledging, accepting, and appreciating that in connection with the human experience and how we've learned agriculture and husbandry and and subsisting off of the land. Like and, and there's something potent in that. Uh, you know, I've talked about it in the past gardening and stuff, so I'm not going to get into it again. But for those of you who observe, happy belated equinox. <laughs> I always like to refer to the equinoxes as prime ritual experience moments. That's when you can get together with yourself or with some close friends and really drum up some uh, um, adrenal energies. Uh, directing them in, in whatever direction you want to point them. That's something that I've missed because of this damn virus. I've missed getting together and performing group rituals. I didn't do them a lot. I haven't done a lot of them. I think less than a handful in my entire, maybe a handful in my entire life. But still, they're always great memories. Some of them I've recorded use them as snuff tapes <laughs> some of them i don't have recorded some of them i tried to record and it didn't actually work yeah all sorts of stuff but i love i love the equinoxes for that and the solstices all right so let's talk about this gun show situation um yeah we do have bruce willis still even though i i sorry i, I just saw the comment jason um i'm pissed about that damn diehard battery commercial it really, really chaps my hide. You can tell that Bruce Willis doesn't give a fuck. He's just sort of reading lines. There's no emotion in his voice. There's, there's no attachment to this feigned role, you know, playing off the Die Hard franchise. And the last Die Hard wasn't good anyway, so it's not like he has something to live up to. But the point is, is the first and the third Die Hard are phenomenal. Or maybe the first and the fourth. Die Hard with a Vengeance and the first one are my two favorite. Um... But And to see him in a goddamn commercial, just sort of mailing it in, and the whole premise is wrapped up around this, like, movie experience. Hey, fuck you. What are you trying to do? Come on, man. You, you had respect. You were in Pulp Fucking Fiction. <laughs> and I still reflect, reflect fondly on Pulp Fiction. Ah, you were so good. Even in Moonlighting. What happened? What happened to you, Bruce? All right. What are we talking about? Gun shows. Okay, so if you're a fan of firearms, and even if you're not a fan of firearms, but you enjoy hitting a range and, and throwing a, a few rounds down range, uh, like I do, you're going to realize that we're in a situation where there are no rounds to be had. You cannot find bullets. The basic fundamental item necessary to fire a gun without standing in long lines, wheeling and dealing with crazies, uh, selling out of their bunkers. Uh, they're just not on store shelves right now. Why? Because of irrational fear. I'm not going to get into that, but I will get into the fact that I went to a gun show for the very first time because of this fear gripping the nation in the hopes that I would find just a few nine mil rounds so I could take a bunch of my friends and go to the range and take my firearms and just have some friendly competition and laughs. That's all I wanted. And so we showed up an hour early. We stood in line. And while you're in a... <laughs> while, uh, 
for those of you who've never gone to a gun show, and I, again, I've only gone to one. This is my only experience, but it's kind of what I expected. And so I kind of feel like I got to share, you know, this is, I can project that this is what all of them are like. Conservative nut jobs, <laughs> conservative crazies are in the line dying to have confirmation bias conversations with you. So this dude behind me, this older gentleman, yeah, maybe like 55-ish, uh, looks out the window and he sort of like walks into my peripheral view and is clearly facing me as I can sense him. And he's like, did Pelosi die or something? Why is the, why is the flag at half-mast? And immediately in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I can either troll this bitch or I can just shove him off because I'm clearly not going to have a serious conversation. I'm not the guy he's hoping I am because what he's hoping for is to me to say, yeah, fuck those libtards, yeah, you know, like go crazy and whatever fucking, you know, he's feeling me out with that comment. He's, he's giving me a Littman's test and saying, choose A, B, or C. And our conversation is going to go in A, B, or C direction based on your choice. I chose D, which is fuck off. So he says that, and I say, no, I think it's because of the Asians murdered in uh, my friend who was with me, um, uh, Bede, uh, finished it out saying in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, uh, oh, that, the president mandated that? And we're like, yeah, when people die, you, you, you put flags at half mass that that's what you do and he was like um you know hope springs eternal we can only hope in the next and i cut him off right before that i was like look as long as we have our boys over in afghanistan dying that flag should never go above half mast i get a little bit of a amen with a hell yeah <laughs> with Pete next to me shut him down immediately and here's something i've never understood why are you doing a political litman's test about a flag at half-mast when Americans die? We just had over 500,000 die because of a fucking virus. Isn't that alone enough to put it at half-mast? And so who gives a fuck if it's mandated to be at half-mast after a, 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 a mass murder? Technically, anything over four in one place is considered a mass murder, I think. Uh, a mass murder. That being said, what is your problem? What is it exact? What type of an interaction are you expecting to get out of me? I know you think because I'm in line at a gun show, I'm like you. And even if I was like you, that's the most bonnet. You might as well ask me about the weather. Hey, why the fuck is the sun up? <laughs> Was it happen every day or something? Yeah, ass face. It happens every day. People die, you put the flag at half-mast. Same fucking thing. Why is this a conversation opener? It just drives me nuts. So I shut his ass down. Um, <laughs> that's exactly what I expected to happen. And so, and then you, you I love to people watch. I don't like to be around people, but I like to watch people because people are really weird. I don't know if you knew this or not. Human beings are fucked up. So I like, I enjoy watching people, how they carry themselves, how insecure they carry themselves, what they wear, you know, clearly pre-game show. But, uh, <laughs> eavesdropping, I was dropping eaves, uh, eavesdropping on people's conversations, exactly what you expect to happen. I mean, there was a, a large chunk of people just talking about 
we're all here for one thing, and that's to buy ammo, which was true. Um, but then there was also the, the secondary conversations <laughs> about politics and stuff. It's just like, do you have to be a parody of yourself? Can you just not be a caricature? Can you just be a individual human with individual thoughts without trying to connect with other people in some weird socio-political way? I, so strange, man. So strange. Uh, yeah, so that was my experience. And I didn't pick up any goddamn rounds because everyone else was there to pick up rounds. And so the people in the front of the line, but they, people were bringing in um, crates and they were bringing in dollies so that they could stack up crates and wheel all of the ammo that they purchased out. There were people selling rounds for $2 per individual round. That's the state of our state right now. It's insane. Crazy. Can't a brother just go shoot some rounds down range? What's the problem? Yeah, it drives me nuts. All right, and I also had other plans this weekend, which were fucked by the weather. Speaking of the weather, uh, we, were, we, we ordered like three cubic feet of garden soil to add and mix with our compost and existing soil so that we can start our garden this weekend. And because I'm an idiot and I didn't look at the weather channel, it just started raining and snowing. It's been beautiful. Beautiful. Like 70 degrees beautiful. And then fuck your plans, Adam. <laughs> it was messed up. Really messed up. Ugh. 50 cent BMG. That's a steal. $2 per round is not a steal for any round. Um, yeah, so I, I really was like, I was in the zone, you know, I was in the mode. I wanted to get out and get my fingers in soil, get dirt under my nails. That was my plan. Totally ruined. I did have a good time in the, the gun show because of the company I was with. But um, other than that, I kind of feel like this weekend has just blown a lot of just dick. Not in a good way. Like in a toothy, they don't even know what they're doing kind of way. Like, like when you tell someone to suck dick and they actually start sucking. And you're like, what are you doing? That's not, I mean, no, I'm, <laughs> that's actually is what you do. <laughs> when you let's say blow and they start blowing, you're like, what are you doing? Trying to make a stupid dick joke and I just fucked it up. All right, that's enough of that. Let's dive into the show. I can't even give a dick joke. Let me throw up this image and we are going to dive right in. I don't have a ton to talk about, but I do want to, I do want to brush on this subject because I think it's, uh, and I got a fun image anyway. Who doesn't like tigers? Tigers fighting. All right. Meeting your match. Um, I think in general, human beings tend to avoid conflict and conflict comes in a number of different ways. Of course, the obvious is physical conflict one-on-one, -on -one. um, but most people generally 
tend to avoid it. And you can tend to avoid conflict uh, professionally as well. If you're vying for the same position with someone else, um, or if you're just going to a mass, uh, you know, job opening call and you see your competition lined up next to you, how are you going to position yourself ahead of everyone else? And a lot of people typically tend to just sort of try to sell themselves without entering into a, a sort of a con conflicting um, uh, atmosphere, really. But it's also meeting your match emotionally with other human beings, finding that. Uh, with wit, meeting your match is a very interesting moment to find yourself in. And I, I kind of feel like I have to call out, um, you know, a, a couple people's wives, like Cameron and Wes, Cameron's and Wes's wives. Um, they are a, <laughs> a witty match to meet. I feel completely unprepared when I start riffing with the two of them, just in, you know, just in general conversation, it's not like, you know, any fucking prepared anything, but it's just like, you know, when you sit down and you start like doing your witty repartee, which you think is witty, and they're sort of like burying you with their, you know, repartee, and you realize how not funny you actually are, <laughs> and how unentertaining you, as entertaining as you thought you could be, you're just exponentially worse just worse that's how i feel when i talk to them but i enjoy the um as as bad as i may be i am as good as i am because of my constant batting my wits against those uh of greater wits you have to, the only way you get better in life is by matching and meeting those of equal and greater strength than you and whether that's strength and emotional professional physical um uh, terms it's all the same you have to battle those better than you in order to improve in life uh, but because we are the way we are and survival is an instinct that goes lizard brain deep we tend to avoid that type of conf confrontation we just prefer the comfortable and that's why you end up with such shitty comedians or such shitty actors or such shitty employees and shitty humans because they'd prefer to just sort of play to the crowd rather than challenge themselves in life and that is a poor way to exist so again there's multiple ways of meeting your match in life but the goal should always be to at least be on the same terms of the same ground level um, with someone else that you're expecting to get something from. And this is why it always has driven me crazy when you ever, you run across couples, for example. <laughs> like, I feel stupid around my wife. I hope <laughs> as much as she feels stupid around me. Like, I'll be assured of a fact. I will be completely dug in to a fact and she will just spout off the reality and then prove me wrong <laughs> i'm just like ah, how is this possible i knew that was true how could it possibly be untrue and why would you rub my nose in how untrue it is but that i like that 
I, I'm being fought back. You know, I, people aren't just kowtowing to me and saying, oh, yes, Adam, you know, of course you're right, you know, what for whatever reason. No, I like the fight. I like the kickback. That's what keeps me humble and honest and real. And that's what why I'm attracted to, you know, well, my wife specifically in this conversation. So uh, it's healthy to realistically understand where you stand in contrast to others with your skill sets, right? So again, whether it's wit or whether it's skill or whether it's prowess, you don't really know where you stand until you've been beaten in whatever that game is, right? You have to fail in order to know how actually good you are. Otherwise, you're just sort of skating by. And that's why whenever you look at fighters, it's really interesting um, in MMA, you find um, fighters that go through and just stomp on their competition until they don't. And you realize that they were undermatched on everything prior until they hit that brick wall. And that's where you really know how good you are. And it's not when you fail and you try and fail and try and fail. It's when you fail and learn the goddamn lesson that you should have from that failure. And then you can succeed. Otherwise, you are destined to repeat your failures in life. But again, it is healthy for an individual to understand their limits. And it is... It can be embarrassing and it can be shame-filled. And there's no reason to shun away those natural emotions when you realize your inadequacies in a situation. It's, it's, it's really healthy to be able to accept, this is who I am. These are my genuine limitations. And I'm going to work at getting over them. Or I'm going to work at at least meeting those that I find of value on the same ground level. I'm going to work to meet them or exceed them, you know? That's a healthy way of looking at life, in my opinion. Um, so if competition is to be had, going up against your equal is the truest test of your mettle. It's easy to go up against those you know you can beat. Again, you know, confirmation bias. You want to feel like you're the best. You go up against people that you know you can best. And it makes you feel good. But all that is is masturbation. That's just you just, ah, yes, I am king. You really know when you're king when you go up against someone who can beat you. And you still come out on top. Or you fail and then you come back. Like, uh, it, it's, it's hard because it, it means you have to admit failure and you have to admit inadequacy. But then you can grow from there and become better. Actually become better. Um... It can be encouraging to realize that you're not alone in your current place or state. Um, so let's talk emotional, meeting your match emotionally. You may feel isolated and alone. It can be encouraging to be around others that also feel that way. It can either make you realize that you're not in such a bad position as you thought you were. Relatively speaking, you're doing pretty good compared to the rest of these saps. Or it could make you realize that I'm not alone in what I'm experiencing in my mind, in my physicality, in my, in my chemical makeup. We can cope. There are methods to be used. And I can actually manage it. 
something that seems so daunting alone suddenly seems like you can wrap your arms around it with others. It's an important concept to accept, especially when you feel isolated and alone and weak. And that's not to say that every human being or every Satanist needs others around them. But we are social animals. We have excelled as a, uh, a give and take with other social animals. There's nothing wrong with understanding that carnal experience and moving forward to use it to your own advantage. Again, it's not altruistic. It's for your own benefit. Um, and let's be honest, it's incredibly attractive to be with someone as strong or stronger than you. If you can go toes with your partner, it feels good. And they look better because of it. You respect them. Don't underestimate respect when it comes to sex or genuine love. You have to have it or else the other doesn't exist. There is no love without respect. There's no true passion, just fleeting lust. Passion is an inferno. Lust is a big fucking lighter that you just flick on when you need it. Understanding that difference can actually help progress you through life. And again, not every human needs others. If you don't, that's awesome. But there are a lot of us who appreciate the company, <laughs> who are enriched by the experience. And I always fall back on this idea of meeting your metal. Um, and it's, it's actually from Merlin, the magician, from the 1970s film Excalibur. And it was one line that I heard as a kid, but it has literally influenced my entire life. Remember, there's always someone cleverer than yourself. Just that one line has helped me so much professionally. It's helped me so much in my personal rep, uh, uh, relationships. There's always someone cleverer than yourself. There's always someone better than you. As good as you think you are, there is always someone else better. And that's good because it gives you something to reach for. It gives you something to strive for. It gives you a goal without you needing to set a goal for yourself. There's always someone cleverer than yourself. Meet your match in life. It is only going to enrich and inform your human experience. You will always be better for failing against those who are better and learning why, how you failed and then Actually, that's in my head some way of, of rounding that out really brilliantly, but it didn't end up working. Um, just do it. <laughs> I'll steal from Nike. That was shitty. Let's do a little Infernal Informant.
I thought of uh, Ruth, and I thought of you the other day. Um, I don't know where I heard it, but somewhere I think I, I heard you mention something about liking Nick Cave or seeing him live or, or something like that. Let me know if I'm totally full of shit, but I think I remember that. And then in Justice League, Nick Cave's song came on, and I was like, wait a second, this is Nick Cave. Holy shit, this is a great song. What is it doing in a fucking superhero film? And I was like, oh, Ruth likes Nick Cave too. I'm in good company. <laughs> it's just a random thought that just popped in my head. It was funny. All right. Infernal Informant. I have thoughts beyond this article, beyond the context of this article with this. Um, so I want to preface this by saying, <laughs> if you kill a specific ethnicity, it does not necessarily mean that you are racist towards that ethnicity. It just meant that they were the convenient target for your crazed thinking. And that's not to say also that racism isn't involved, but it should not be the de facto choice. If you go, if you, this is going to sound really racist, but this is my own experience growing up in Salt Lake City. Um, a lot of these small time, um, like, gas station stores, like quick shop stores, they're owned by specific ethnicities. So if you just happened to go to one of these shops and rob and murder them, is it because you're racist or because of ease of access or because of just that's where you are in your life and so is the most convenient? Like, it, it doesn't always have to be a race as a reason. It could just be they were there that's what you find in that area, hence that's who died. That's not to say all Asian hate crimes are circumstantial. Some of them are genuinely hate crimes as I'm about to get into, but I wanted to preface it with that because I think it's a little unfair to always jump on the race bandwagon when sometimes if you're just a crazy person looking to kill people, you just happen to be in one place. Maybe it's a bunch of white people. Maybe it's a bunch of fucking other ethnicity people. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> that being said, Atlanta spa attack shines a light on anti-Asian hate crimes around the world. This is from CNN. The outpouring of grief and anger over the news that six Asian women were among those killed in shootings at three Atlanta area massage parlors has drawn attention to the rise of anti-Asian violence in the U.S. Quick side note, how many of them were willing workers? Because we know that massage parlors are covers for sex trafficking um, and exploitive um, um, immigration traffickers. So I think that would be an interesting conversation to look into as well. If they were all like, yes, this is what I want to do for my life. I studied massage therapy. Well, that's a totally different conversation. And... Again, a little strange that it's a bunch of Asian people in the same massage parlor, though, let's be honest, you're in certain neighborhoods, you go to Chinatown, you're going to expect to see Asians, is all I'm going to say. Okay, that being said, 
And it's not just an American problem. From the UK to Australia, reports of anti-East and anti-Southeast Asian hate crimes has increased in Western countries as the pandemic took hold this past year. At least 11 people of East and Southeast Asian descent CNN spoke to described racist and xenophobic incidents, such as people moving away from them on the train, verbal abuse, and even physical assault. The past year has seen some Western politicians repeatedly stress China's connection to the COVID-19 outbreak. I wonder who they're talking about. As well as uh, raise the rhetoric against the Asian superpower. Within this environment, advocates say people in East Asia and Southeast Asia heritage have increasingly become a target for racism. I am hoping Middle Easterners can appreciate what is happening to another ethnicity. And uh, I hope that there's a little bit of perspective amongst different ethnicities reflecting their own points in history when they too have been targets of ridiculous racist rhetoric. Like, just because people just wanted to be in power. They needed to have the other. And so they just pointed at someone and said, you're the other now. Um, let's all hate them, okay? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Let's do it. It's literally as flippant as that. Italians. Irish. Scottish. Uh, I don't think British have ever had their turn. I think we might have our next victims. <laughs> Let's go after the imperialists. Um, where was I? Uh, but many European countries, including France, Germany, and Belgium, do not collect demographic data on ethnicity for historical reasons, making it difficult to take an accurate measure of the scale of the problem. Hate crime statistics are recorded in the UK, Figures from the London Metropolitan Police show more than 200 incidents of hate crimes against people of East Asian appearance happening between June and September of 2020, a 96% increase compared to the same period a year ago. Peng Wang, a lecturer at Southampton University in southern England, says he was physically assaulted by a group of four men while jogging near his home one cold afternoon. The men yelled racial slurs at a 37-year-old, including Chinese virus, he told CNN. All right. For those of you who are planning on flippantly committing hate crimes, Chinese virus is not the phrase you want to go with. We have a rich history of, of uh, we have a pedigree of racial slurs on which you could draw. Chinese virus is not a racial slur. That's just a, uh, that's a, a strange phrase at best. You're not going to wound someone deep inside of them if that's what you're using as your chosen racial slur. And I would argue... If you are of the Chinese ethnicity, if some cracker calls you Chinese virus, is that really hurting your feelings? Honestly, is that really like the straw that broke the camel's back for you? That's the phrase. That's the hate crime racial slur that you're going to then repeat to CNN. Because I got like a dozen in my bag that I haven't let out my entire life that I could use that are infinitely worse than that. I just, like, and I don't even, I don't collect them. They're just there from life experience. Like what, that can't be the one. That just can't be the one that you use.
Okay. They got out of the car after Wang yelled back at them. Punch. Cheers to you, Wang. Punching him. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Not cheers to you. I'm sorry. This sucks for you. I thought he punched the guy in the face, but he didn't. He got punched in the face. Uh, and they kicked him on the ground. He suffered minor facial injuries and a nosebleed. I got to say, though, I would love to see, like you see in those you know, Bruce Lee films. I don't want to see the Asian guy kicking the white cracker's ass. I, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. I would like to see that as the CNN story. Cracker throws racial slang. Asian kicks cracker's ass. Can we just see that once? I've seen it on film, but in real life. On news footage. I want to see it. Um, all right. In, in his future in the UK and his, the safety of this young son is, is what he's fearing now. Uh, quote, what they did was not civil. It should not happen in today's society. We live in a society. <laughs> Started with Seinfeld. Played on a little bit by uh, the Joker in um, Justice League. Here's the other side of the society line I want people to, to take into effect. Because I have cr I, I've made this clarion call as well. We live in a society! Why are we doing this to each other? We need each other in order to live in a healthy, vibrant, productive society. I don't want to do things that other people do, and other people don't want to do things that I do. That's why we're together in a society for each and every one of our benefit. That being said... This is what we do in a society. <laughs> this is what we've always done in a society. We have always pointed to someone else and said, they're the they, let us demonize the they. We have always beaten and abused the they, whomever the they may be. Always. That's how we do. That is what humans are good at. So to pretend like we're somehow evolved beyond that is to ignore all of human existence and project us into this weird utopian world that has never existed. Not in fiction, not in fantasy, not even really in aspiration, and certainly not in experience. Weird. <laughs> I just saw a note about Mars. There's a uh, plans that were released for like 26,000 people habitat on Mars. Side note, sorry. Okay, when Donald Trump was the U.S. president, he said the China virus, that was absolutely wrong, Wings added. Polling done in June found that three quarters of people of Chinese ethnicity in the UK have experienced being called a racial slur. During an October debate on racism against the Chinese and East Asian community in Parliament, Scottish National Party lawmaker David Linden said some of his constituents described the attacks against them with restaurants and takeouts being vandalized and boycotted and victims being punched, spat at, and coughed on in the streets, and even verbally abused and blamed for the coronavirus pandemic. This is the other side of that coin that I don't understand. How can you as a human being blame another random human being in your community for being the cause and problem of all of your problems? Where does personal responsibility start to take place? in any of these societies, for the racist, for the bigot, for the asshole. First of all, what are you going to gain by behaving like this? And second of all, you're not even striking your anger out at the right places. You're just being a bitch. Like, that's it. 
I don't, I've never understood the racist mentality, the bigots mentality. She just focus on you. <laughs> I don't get it. All right. That being said, as the pandemic made its way across Europe, activists in Spain and France began to notice a problem. Campaigns such as hashtag no soy unvirus, hashtag I am not a virus, were created to raise awareness of the uptick in violence against Asians. In March 2020, an American man of Chinese descent, Thomas Xu, said he was violently assaulted in Spain's capital, Madrid, after two men yelled racial slurs about the coronavirus at him. Sue, who was a student at the time, said that between January and March last year, he was verbally assaulted 10 times. I don't want to keep stopping on this, but there's like little ticks. There's, there's <laughs> I have issues. Verbally assaulted? I know women who have to suffer through verbal assaults walking to work every day. Just sexual innuendo and explicit references on a daily basis. You can't put up with it for a period of a news cycle. I mean, they're putting up with it their whole lives. You can't just fucking just grit your teeth and just fucking crack a motherfucker and just walk on. I, that's, I'm not blaming him for or anyone. I, I'm just saying there's things that you got to put up with in life. Sometimes it's a bully. Sometimes you just kind of need to move on and just fucking find a productive way to cope. Verbally abused. If you were a child and you were being verbally abused by your parent, that has significant psychological trauma. Genuine effect on your body, on your mind, on your future. If you're a grown-ass adult... It, it's really what you give it. it. It's And that's really what it comes down to. Like, again, if it's a daily occurrence, then yeah, it's going to affect you. But, I don't know, 10 times? I think you could suck that up. <laughs> I was verbally abused by my drill sergeant for months. <laughs> months! Daily! Repeatedly! <laughs> And then in the military for five years after that by the sergeants above me and by the commanders. It's a, that's, you just have to suck it up sometimes. That's all I'll say. Okay. That being said, they walked over and beat him unconscious. That's the next level. Um, uh, the three-year-old told CNN, adding that he was hospitalized for a week. Quote, I've always known that there is racism here and that people don't really acknowledge it, Sue told CNN. Yeah, America does not have um, exclusivity on racism. I know the world likes to claim it does, but no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Um, Susanna Yi, a 29-year-old Spanish journalist who made a documentary against the country's Chinese diaspora in 2019, told CNN that violence against Asians in Spain has become normalized and underreported in the Spanish press. For many, it's not an important issue because many journalists do not live in or know members of the community, she said. They don't have an anti-racist perspective and they don't know about communities beyond their own. This is a really important uh, concept to, to truly grasp as a human being, certainly as a Satanist, if you're going to try to apply perspective in your use of lesser magic. You have to have an honest, realistic worldview of others in your communities. And the truth is, is that 
again, just like she's saying in Spain, um, Asian violence is underreported because that is not the, the, the typical talking point that they want to focus on. They just don't have, as, as traditional reporters, the experience in that community. It's important to be aware that there are underrepresented, underreported communities that experience life in a dramatically different way than you do. And it is incumbent upon you as a healthy human being to understand that when applying lesser magic. Otherwise, you're going to look like an asshole and a total failure. But you can learn from it. Uh, she says, uh, I think people pick violence, verbal violence and physical violence because they don't expect us to react at all, she said. They're used to us keeping a low profile. Bully mentality. It can be an entire society, a cultural reaction. You can stereotypically see it in the South, America's South. You can see it in uh, America's uh, Midwest. I mean, it's, it's a reality and it's a cultural experience. You expect others to act accordingly, hence you treat them in how you expect them to react. And it's always a shock when they stand up for themselves, when you've been taught your whole life that they're they're okay with being treated that way. Hard lesson to learn, but you got to step outside of your skin. You got to step outside of your ethnicity. As a human being, you have to. We all share one rock hurling through space. That's all we have. And if you cannot wrap your mind around other humans' experiences, you are going to go the way of the dodo. You, you are not going to thrive. You are not going to thrive on this rock, period. You can't. You have a finite limit on where you can go and how far you can grow if you're only gonna isolate yourself within your own personal human experience, cultural human experience. Um, you guys get the gist of what I'm talking about here. Um, the fact is that there is global reaction to this virus which came out of Wuhan in the Chinese province. I hope I'm, I'm phrasing that right. Um, I'm not convinced that I am. And so clearly people have called it Kung flu. They call it the Chinese virus. They call it the Asian virus. And then idiots are going to immediately, because they're weak and insecure and failing as human individuals themselves, lash out at any Asian they happen to run across. We did it in the Iraq war with uh, Middle Easterners and we did it with um, African-Americans in early America and still today. Uh, we did it with women through all of human history. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. It sucks, but it's true. Um, you know it. I don't have to tell you. This is just what we do as, as a species. Hopefully, as an individual, you are not perpetuating this problem because it is, in fact, a problem. The only way that our society, our human experience, can develop and truly grow is if we move beyond these petty squabbly issues and we face cold hard facts head on and problems head on together. That's how we as a species are going to move forward. Not by hating someone for some random reason. Hate someone for good reasons. Hate people with all your might, with all your power, with all of your heart and, and, and being for good reason. But just some rando on the street? No, that's not good enough. You need to do better. 
Um, not calling assholes on their bullshit does perpetuate it. Here, here. You're right. You're right. And we do have to call it out for sure in every single case. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, amazing how many victims are elderly. Going back to choosing targets, you're almost guaranteed victory over. Yeah, just it's weak. It is weak. What does that say about you? Ugh. Uh, it, it really bugs me. You've been called cracker before. <laughs> I say cracker a lot. I, <laughs> I grew up uh, with the uh, 70s sitcoms. So I think cracker is really a funny insult. That's why I say it. <laughs> if, if anyone finds uh, a problem with or gets hurt by my use of cracker, you're a cracker. <laughs> I'm helping my boss with the building project and he's being a prick because I asked for assistance with some of the layouts on the blueprints. I don't want to appear gullible or needy. So I will ask in future. Oh man, I think I might be too late for that one. I'm not sure where that is. What the, the reference point is for that. Personal responsibility seems like it needs to be beat into people's heads. Yeah, I mean, that's why we need tests for people to become parents because that's where it starts. Personal responsibility starts with parents teaching children personal responsibility. It, it's, it, you can be enabled if you're not taught it. You're enabled to be a fucking piece of shit in life just by bad parenting. So you just need the basics of parenting, which is to teach cause and effect and consequences and rewards. That's it. It's much more than that, but that's the basic of it. Uh, they stopped shark attacks. How are these kids going to function with bullets flying over? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, those who do not adapt should prepare for being obsolete or irrelevant. Here, here. All right. Why are you using the past tense? It's ongoing. You're right. It is ongoing. In all this stuff. Uh, my daughter calls it sweet in sour sickness. And the boomer doomer. <laughs> Whoa, what are you guys talking about? All right. Yeah, the Japanese were in internment camps <laughs> in World War II. This isn't the first time. And it's not going to be the last, unfortunately, because <laughs> we, uh, I, this is what we're good at. That's all I'm going to say. It, it, some, you stick with what you know. And with the human experience, it is demonizing others. We're going to stick with what we know. Let's lighten the mood a little bit. As I'm already over an hour. Sweet hell. That went a lot faster than I expected. Um, well, before I throw that up, let's do... Uh, yeah, it's the same one. Let me throw it up. This is just a quick, fun one. Armageddon! Huge asteroid flying closer to Earth than the moon. This is from J-Post. It is not Armageddon, <laughs> but it could have been. A sizable asteroid named 2021 EQ3 will pass, pass closer to Earth than the moon itself on Monday night, tomorrow night. And lucky you, it will all be streamed live online. Though in the entire article, I didn't find one link on where it'll be streamed. So I guess that's just left to you. Thanks for mentioning it. The flyby will be completely safe and doesn't pose any risk to anything or anyone on Earth or to any of the satellites, reported by CNET website. The asteroid will pass closest above us at 9.45 p.m. Israel time. It is an Israel 
news outlet reporting this, on Monday night at a distance of about 278,000 kilometers, 72% of the distance from the Earth to the Moon. Although 2021 EQ3 is actually not the only asteroid to have come so close to Earth, it is one of the biggest. On average, sky surveyors and other telescopes spot a space rock passing closer than the Moon every few days even if most of the asteroids are just a few meters across, likely making them no larger than a bus. Asteroid 2021 EQ3, however, could have a diameter of up to 38 meters, making it more like the size of a small apartment building, according to the report. It also, uh, it's also different than, It's also different than 2001 FO32, which is an absolute monster with a diameter of about a mile. That asteroid is set to pass by on March 21st at a distance of five times further away than the moon. The asteroid's size also makes it a good object to track, and the virtual telescope project based in Rome will be streaming an online watch party via its website. Okay, well, there you go. Whatever URL that is. Last year, NASA found that an asteroid was set to come close to Earth on November 2nd, the day before the U.S. presidential elections, CNN reported then. Known as 2018 VP1, the asteroid was first identified back in 2018 and is estimated to have a diameter of 2 meters, 6.5 feet. While it only has a 0.41% chance of hitting Earth, NASA still found potential impacts of a collision. But due to its small size, it's unlikely to have an impact of apocalyptic proportions cnn reported um i wanted to bring this up because i thought it's an interesting contrast to what we were just talking about we're talking about how we we can't even find ways of coexisting on a small rock hurling through space meanwhile there are literal rocks hurling at us <laughs> as we pass by on elliptical orbits through space we are continually bombarded um, by space rocks and have near misses closer than our moon's distance to total annihilation on the planet. And we're still calling people Chinese virus? <laughs> what? what are we focusing on here? Why are we not focusing on the catastrophic asteroids? Why is that not the fucking problem? Why are we so focused on someone who looks different or has a different sense of ex human experience? Give me a, how short-sighted of a pathetic virus are we of the, on this planet? <sighs> We're the worst. <laughs> Just the worst. We could be gone like that. Like, we're not watching every inch of the sky. There could be, and there have been surprise meteors and asteroids that have struck this planet. Some of them in our recent history have caused massive problems <laughs> with human existence. And some of them have wiped out entire species of creatures on this planet. Over and over again, they've reset ice ages on this planet. And yet we're still focused on what color of skin you have, who you like to fuck, how you see your own genitalia. Why are we doing this to ourselves? No perspective. That's what it is. Zero perspective as human beings. 
We're so focused on what's right in front of our fucking noses that we're not paying attention to the Mack truck that is about to run us over. And we would deserve it. We would totally deserve it as a species. I don't like it, but we deserve it. All right, uh, check out Gamma Ray Bursts if you want to be really freaked out. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, and one, I just I was also reading on another science uh, site. Um, a constellation, I want to say Cassiopeia, but I could be wrong, um, completely changed because there was, there was a, a supernova that just happened in that constellation, which is huge. That Those gamma rays can travel hundreds of light years like it's crazy yeah space is crazy <laughs> anyway that's what i want to talk about let's do a little creature feature and close this thing out I see what you're saying, Bradley. Thank you for the clarifications. Um, I think anyone who thinks asking for help... Me, it, if you're a type of person that thinks someone asking for help means that they are weak, you're truly an idiot. The, there's nothing wrong... One, the first thing I learned in my creative courses in college was that you are only bettered by constructive criticism. And that means you're asking people for help. I want your opinion. What do you think about this? How can I improve on this? Please help me. If you don't get, here's the thing I hate worst in life is when I ask someone for criticism and they say, oh, it's great. I just want to punch them in the face. That does me no good. I can't learn from that's great, or it's good, or I like it, or no, it was fine. That means nothing to me. You might as well have just poured milk on my pants because it, it, was, it doesn't make sense. There's no meaning to that act. You have to tell me what was good and bad about it if I'm going to ask your opinion. And if you don't want me to ask your opinion, then tell me. But to ask for help is just to improve what you're doing. And if you're asking for help from someone in the same company in order to improve something for that company and they see it as weakness like a boss sees that as weakness they're the problem they're the reason why the company's not doing well or why it's not more successful that culture of ignorance is the problem the stagnant cause uh, of the company anyway <laughs> good man that's that's how it is let's talk about american gods all right so uh, american gods is a novel by uh, neil gaiman it was released a very long time ago <laughs> i don't actually have the date on that sorry uh, i didn't look it up but it, i enjoyed it when i read it it was actually suggested to me because i traditionally stuck with um, clive barker and someone's like have you ever read neil gaiman i was like no not really and they're like oh sandman read that and then uh read this and he handed me the american gods there's a scene in the book, American Gods, that I have obsessed over since I read it. And I got to see it 
in live action in this series. And for that scene alone, it has paid dividends for my um, my fantasies. I genuinely love it. Okay, so the log line of this is... I, I'm sorry, let me take a step back. American Gods is a fantasy series on the Stars Network. Okay, the log line is this. A recently released ex-convict named Shadow meets a mysterious man who calls himself Wednesday and who knows more than he first seems to about Shadow's life and past. The film's setup is Wednesday comes to Shadow and offers him a gig and throughout the course of this reveals to Shadow that the world is actually populated by gods. They walk among us. There are old gods from the old world, um, and then there are new gods from the new world. And the old gods are trying to exist. The whole premise is gods cannot exist without humans believing in them, which I think is a fantastic way of looking at gods. I never even considered the notion before that you need followers to truly be a god. So gods will die if people stop believing in them. They will lose all of their powers if people stop believing in them. I love that idea. I think it's so great. Um, anyway, the, so the television series was developed by Brian Fuller and Michael Green. The first season premiered on April 30th, 2017. Tonight is the finale. I'm going to watch it right after I uh, hang up with you all. Hang up. Shut down. Say goodbye. How do, we, how do you reference that? It's like, end? <laughs> after I end with you guys? That's a weird way to put it. Um, anyway, tonight is the, the season finale of season three. The cast is uh, Ricky Whittle as Shadow Moon. He's hot as fuck, dude. Uh, he's a former convict who becomes Mr. Wednesday's bodyguard. Um, Ian McShane. <laughs> you cannot say Ian McShane's name and, and not think of like Deadwood, um, Coraline. Uh, Ian McShane is an incredible actor. And um, Deadpool, Deadpool, Deadwood. Oh my gosh, Deadwood is, it was amazing. It was genuinely amazing. Cut short before it's time. The movie was great, but it, I still wanted more. Ian McShane. Look him up tonight if you don't know who I'm talking about. Ian McShane. He's magic. Uh, he is Mr. Wednesday, a con artist, and the god Odin. Um, I'm spoiling this for you if you haven't read the book or watched it before but this came out in 2017 so i feel like it's enough time has passed yeah he's odin the old gods so he comes across to america during the first migration um of uh, uh norse uh into americas which was before columbus people yeah the norse were visiting this continent way before any european did way before and i do actually separate the norse and europeans even though arguably they're the same um emily browning is laura moon shadow moon's wife and revenant really great storyline and another great one crispin glover oh i love me some crispin glover he's mr world he's one of the new gods he's a new god of globalization and he's the leader of all of the new gods Bruce Langley is the technical boy or quantum boy. He's the new god of technology. Great acting. I hate him so much every time he's on camera. And it's all 
because of his acting. You got to love actors who can make you hate them, and you love hating them. He's definitely one. Um, and then here's my favorite. Oh my gosh. Oh, sweet. I got to hold on. I got to. Yeetide Badaki. <clears throat> I may not be saying her name right, but I worship her. She is Bilquis, uh, the goddess of love, identified with the Queen of Sheba. She is so goddamn gorgeous. And she is the scene I was talking about. She gains her powers by men giving themselves to her. Sexually, initially, and then literally. And she swallows them up into her vagina. It is the most erotic and amazing. Like, I was imagining it in the book. And I was just like, I want to do this. I want to worship her. And I want to give her my power. And watching it, it was a little cheesy. But still, it was great. She is... She's fucking fire. A fire, 100%. Oh, she's definitely my top five of five on the girl side. All right, Fuller stated that he wanted the old gods to be portrayed as gritty and rustic. He wanted to demonstrate the well-worn aspects of their religion and the consequences of going without faith for so long, while the new gods are portrayed as slick and updated with their technology to illuminate how valuable and pertinent they are in their own religions. It's a very fascinating experience to watch this and extrapolate it out to human interaction, to regular, like real life human interaction. Social media is creating isolated gods unto themselves through influencers. They are fed their power by their worshipers. And many, if not all of you, are contributing to that. You are giving your power to them, and they are using your power in order to sell you shit or to just bask in the radiant glow of your adoration. It gives them strength and power. This is a real-world occurrence happening right now every single fucking day on every single social network and every single social community. It's happening right now. The new gods are fucking here. And they have big asses or they have fucking uh, crazy fashions or they can dance in fucking crazy ways or they have great voices or they're just dark and mysterious and, you know, speaking deep Satan tones. So you fucking click like and follow. They are your gods. Bow down and pray with your fucking clicking of the button. That's what you're doing. It's amazing. And the fucking doctor pointed it out in his area. It was television. Here, here. Yes, it was. We have gone way beyond that. And so much worse, too. Because worshipping the television is bad enough because it's this abstract uh, device just shooting stories at you that you just give your focus on. But now you're choosing which worthless human to give your power to. Rather than owning your own power. Rather than standing up and demanding that you are the god. You're giving it away. You're leeching it out to others who you want 
to rub shoulders with so that you can feel their power for just a second. How pathetic is that? You're a god! Act like it! That's what this show reminds me of, and that's why I love it so much. But that's not all. I didn't want to start season three because I just didn't, I didn't really remember season two. It had been such a long time um, due to COVID and its release and from when we first watched it. And I just, I don't know, you know, the story has gone beyond the book and I don't know, I, I wasn't really into it. And then we watched the first like two and a half minutes and I immediately remembered why I loved this series. The camera work, the cinematography, the music, the way it plays with the visuals and the storytelling, it's different than any other series out there. Not different better in some cases, but definitely different interesting, which keeps you in the game of watching this and interested and, and really wanting to spend your time watching it. I was, I, was, I was hook, line, and sinker the first two and a half minutes of the third season. And every weekend after I do, I'm done doing this show, my wife and I grab a glass of wine, sit down, and watch American Gods. That's just what we've been doing since it's been on again. I'm going to be a little sad that today's the last one. But it's, it's genuinely good. Uh, you knew that was where I was going to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't help it. I can't help it. Um, Joe Biden is the new god. I don't know about that. I don't know any liberals who think that. <laughs> Just being honest. I don't know that. Um, hey, John. Greetings to yourself. You look forward to the show every week. Thank you. You rarely have the time to catch it live. Well, thank you for finding the time. And uh, it's, it's great to see you live, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. I, I highly suggest it. I, you know, Stars is like one of those second tier networks. So it's like, I think it's like eight or nine bucks for a month. All I do is subscribe to it when the shows I want to see are on. Men in Kilts, Outlander, and American Gods. And then as soon as they're over, I unsubscribe. And then I choose some other series or some other channel to subscribe to. Like HBO, so I can watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, for example. Um, but also, HBO Now is going to have uh, the new Godzilla vs. King Kong coming out soon. So, that's a little more expensive. That's a top-tier channel. But... That's how I handle my streaming services. I don't have a perpetual... That's not true. I do have some. I don't have a perpetual... Um, I always subscribe to this streaming channel. Typically, I just do it when I know my shows that I enjoy... My shows. These shows I enjoy to watch are on, and then I get off. And that way I save money, and I can see different networks' shows at my own pace and time. And I'm not really frantic about catching things when they air, necessarily. But, you know... Like, for example, Atlanta... FX's Atlanta. Where did that go? I want to see. I will pay. I will subscribe to whatever network you want me to subscribe to to watch Atlanta again. That was a great series. What the hell happened to it? It just. It was literally the best thing on streaming, and then it just disappeared. Just. I think Donald Glover played Lando Calrissian once, and he's just never gone back. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I want to see it. Um, I've heard about the boys. I've heard I should watch that. It's, it's on a long list. I don't know. I, I gotta have a really good reason to watch it though. 
All right, that's all I got today, guys. Thank you guys so much for tuning in live. And for those of you who are in the pre-game show, uh, game show, pre-show, I appreciate your time and attention. I genuinely do. I thought this was going to be one of those episodes where it was just, eh. It, it was a meh episode. Every once in a while, not every episode can be great. Let's just be honest. You know, some most of them aren't great. Most of them aren't even really good. But you guys tune in anyway. Most of you. <laughs> most of the time and i appreciate it all of the time so thank you so much for your time and attention if you want to watch any of my other satanic series they're all uh, accessible on this youtube channel or on my website reverendcamel.com of course subscribe to the series um or to the to youtube channel if you do like it and of course like the videos that is the best way to support this channel of course i do have channel memberships you don't really get much out of it except for like hundreds of daily vlogs and other types of uh, video content that I've done in the past. So if you want that, it's definitely available to you at like a buck or two bucks a month or something like that. Of course, if you want to learn more about Satanism, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> Satanic Bible. Read it, buy it, learn it, and love it. You will. Of course you will. You're a human. How could you not? And check out the churchofsatan.com. We got a couple really great books in the works ruth actually is working on one of them right now you can pre-order it right now on satanme.com go check it out pre-order it i can't remember the name at the top of my mind right now but um it's good <laughs> i already pre-ordered it so i'm gonna get it so i'll talk about it <laughs> you should get it too all right thanks everyone have a fantastic weekend until next time hail satan <laughs>